0: The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. Um, let's just dive in. This week was an interesting week, wasn't it? Um. With the Roe versus Wade decision, some of you are like, whoa, we're going to talk about that right now? We're talking about that right now. Um, I, want to, I want to engage in this topic for a little bit um, because I want to talk about it from what we see in Scripture. Uh, our, the, the, the framework, here's the deal, I had no intention of doing this whatsoever. I had a really good sermon plan, I thought. Um, And then yesterday, when I came to put the finishing touches on my really good sermon I had planned, um, I really sensed that we, that I was supposed to speak into this issue. And God gave me a framework in order to be able to see it um, that made sense. That honestly, I'd, I'd not really seen it from this perspective before. The verse of Scripture that I felt God put on my heart is Micah chapter six, verse eight. It says this, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Here's the interesting thing about, um, about this passage, is that in our society today, justice and mercy are typically seen as opposing virtues, as mutually exclusive And yet, Micah, the prophet, shows us that's that's not really the case. In fact, in in God's economy, in God's kingdom, they actually need one another. I'd say it this way. If we're going to act justly without mercy, then you know what we're doing? We're trying to do God's work, but we're doing it our way. And if we try to show mercy... Without justice, we're trying to have God's heart without having God's way. So I want to talk a little bit of how this applies to the abortion issue. Let me just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay real tight to my notes today because, well, I think you understand why. Uh, I'm not, I have no intention to talk about abortion laws today, Okay. I have no intention to talk about politics today. Uh, I have every intention to talk about the moral issue surrounding abortion. As your pastor, my role, my responsibility, more than that, my calling, is not to influence you towards a political party within the United States government. It's not my role, it never will be. I've frustrated people because I've not done that as much as some think I ought and I'm comfortable with that however I do take my responsibility and my calling very seriously to help us as God's people understand how to approach today's issues with the mind and the attitude and the behavior of Christ I am more interested in your heart than your politics, and I believe God is too. So here's the reality. I was pretty sure people would clap when I said I was going to share this. But inevitably, there are differing opinions in this very room on this topic. Inevitably, there are people who celebrated when the news came down, and there are people who grieved when the news came down. Even within this room, particularly once you expand it to those watching online, what I want to first make sure that we understand before we get into issues is that we are the body of Christ and the family of God. And this is a safe place. Some of you have read each other's social media posts this week and have been deeply offended and probably hurt based on what you've seen on both sides of the scale. That's, that's nearly inevitable. I'm not speak, I've not been on social media. I don't even know who I'm talking to. So if you think I'm talking about you, I'm not talking about you, okay? I, I don't know what you wrote on fo- social media this week, okay? But just a grou- group this big, this is inevitable, Um, And here's the thing, let's just just do this thing with eyes open, heads up high, okay? Here's the reality of the culture that we live in. We live in a very, very polarized culture, and here's what we love to do. Don't worry, I'll get to the Bible, but we just got to be aware. Is we love to look at the other side of any issue and assume that the extremist perspectives of that side is true and held by everyone on that side, but offended when people assume that I hold the extremist views of my side. Right? Pro-choice, pro-life. We don't want to be known as ones who are the extremist, right? Right? What am I talking about? Let's just call it like it is, right? Either you hate women and think they should all be enslaved, or you hate babies and you think they should all die. Okay. In my experience, and I'm assuming yours too, that those within the body of Christ, I'm not denying the extremist perspectives that are driven by evil motives. I know that's there. But I also know that we, the body of Christ, Seeing things from a couple different perspectives, a variety of different perspectives, I believe that well over 90%, I'm just making numbers up, most of us, as true and genuine followers of Jesus, are actually deriving our perspectives from the same place. We want His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we not? whatever side of this thing we're on we want his will be done his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and so therefore if this is true if you have a perspective that's different than mine that is not an attack on me as a person right that is a not that is not an attack on you and your character We are seeking the will of God. So let me ask this. Before we get into the issues, we're just talking church family. We're just talking body of Christ unity stuff, okay? What if you and I, as ultimately children of God, what if we were committed to do everything in our power to be sure that our church community was better at disagreeing with each other than our culture is? Like, I kind of wonder if the unbelieving world would look at that and just be like, huh, I know they are Christians by their love or something like that. I don't know. Just spitballing. <laughs> Next, before we get into the topic, I want to say this. First off, I'm not hiding anything. I, I, I in a lot of issues that are politicized, you know me. Shoot, the last two years you've watched me just not land and navigate and go principle. I'm just gonna say this. I am unapologetically, along with my wife and uh, the elders and their wives, the leadership of the church, uh, very much pro-life. And we're gonna gonna talk a little bit about why. Um, And I'm gonna talk from that perspective on this issue and bring in the biblical perspective as well. But let me just say this before we get into this. Like I said, this is, this is a safe place. It was safe last week before you knew what the person across the row thought about the issue. <laughs> and it's a safe place now that you know that maybe there's disagreement. Second thing is this. I am also fully aware that this issue is not just a political issue. It is not just a theoretical issue. It is not a philosophical issue. This is an issue that has touched more people than especially in the church where we have this like self-destructive tendency to hide all of our less-than-perfect stuff. I don't know specifics, but I would imagine based on statistics that this issue has touched many in this room even today. And one of the things that is not talked about enough is that abortion doesn't just hurt children, it leaves a wake of destruction in its path by those who are left, those who influenced the decision, those who had abortions. I understand that this issue causes incredible pain and hurt and confusion. And I want you to know That God is a God of grace, and he's a God who heals to the deepest emotional parts of who we are. And if God is a place of grace and healing, then this is a house of grace and healing as well. so what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I want to talk about how this affects us and how this shapes how we view as believers the biblical perspective on this topic. Here's the deal. I said we're pro-life. Let me also say we are also pro-women. And I know that culture wants us to pick a side. I say, God's word says I don't have to. (laughs) Let's start with the act justly. In order to be able to act justly, there must be a moral standard. Without a moral standard, there is no justice. And so let us begin to build a moral standard. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, that is then reiterated by Genesis chapter 5, that is then reiterated by Genesis chapter 9, and throughout the Bible. It says, God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. Friends, you and I, are and I don't even fully understand it. I think I get glimpses of it from time to time, but I don't. I, there's no way I. I think I'm ever going to fully grasp this. But you and I are created in the image of God. My life, as I live, I am a bearer of the image of Christ to the world that I live in. It's a huge responsibility, and an incredible, awe-inspiring privilege that I made in his image. We see this throughout scripture. Psalm 139 verse 13 through 14 and then again 16. The psalmist writes, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I love that little line. (laughs) He's talking about how God made him. Your, your works are wonderful. Let me just look at. <laughs> let me just. I'm reminded every time I look in the mirror. Um, says your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Here's here's the point that David is saying. Is that my life began in the womb? My life didn't begin the day that I was born. My life began in the womb. And I'm not getting into all the science and all the studies of all of this, but science is kind of, and technology has kind of led us to make that pretty obvious statement these days. So we've got these two realities one, that we are created in the image of God, two, that we are handcrafted by God. Like we're not like just products of a giant, like, people making factory, and we're just like factory. No, 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 no. You were handmade, intricately made by your creator. Every piece, every aspect, specifically and uniquely designed. And every life is a miracle of God. The life started in the womb. And some of those miracles happened at the result of a husband and a wife coming together in a God-ordained union in a marriage with the intent to grow a family. And some of those miracles were the result of some of the most horrific, disgusting messes that mankind can come up with. And yet the result is the same. An image bearer of Christ uniquely formed in their mother's womb. You know, in in Exodus, we go back to the law. Um, And uh, not only do we find Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, the sixth commandment you shall not murder. But in the next chapter, in in Exodus chapter 1, it's more the law quite possibly some of the stuff that you skimmed real fast when you're reading through your Bible because there's just more of the law and don't do this and don't do that. But here's what's interesting about the law. We're no longer under the old covenant law. We know that, right? We are under grace. But one of, I think, the greatest tools of the Old Testament and one of the greatest tools of the old covenant law for us under grace and in the New Testament today is that the law was not given arbitrarily the law flowed from the heart of God, did it not? So we can see God's heart. We can see God's morality. We can see God's standard for life. We can see God's intent through the law. Can we not? We see God's value for life in the simple statement, do not murder. We can see God's uh, value for truth when he says don't bear false witness. We can see God's uh, value for, on one God and him alone through, well, that very same command. And we see God's nature and God's intent in, in Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 through 25. It gives a scenario. If, if there's a fight or a brawl or there's just whatever and somebody hurts or attacks a pregnant woman and that baby dies, the punishment is life for a life. What we see in the law, in the heart of the law, is that life begins in the womb, and life in the womb is an image bearer of Christ, handmade intricately and specifically with a purpose. And it is God's child. Now here's, here's what's start talking about real life now. the mantra of the day is is my body my choice and and the hard thing about this is that it sounds it it sounds right-ish like any really well-crafted lie here's where, and and sometimes even on the pro life side like I, I how do i reason my way around here's it's not your body. And, and I, know, I know society today says, I'm a man, I can't say that. But when I read the word of God, he's very, very clear. The tissue that is growing in the womb is not a disposable part of the body like getting rid of the tonsils. That tissue is a life a life handcrafted by God, a life that carries the image of God within him or her. The lie of my body, my choice, is that it's not the mom's body, it's God's child. And mom has been entrusted with the care and protection of the child. Be careful. Not to get swept into thinking that derives itself from human reasoning we have to come back to scripture and this is hard. this is hard and and here's why here's the second aspect of this right is we we hear this next one and this is one that even. I hear from a lot, right? And I've heard a lot in the last few days. Who am I to pass judgment when I've never walked in their shoes? Right? Who am I to pass judgment when I've not walked in their shoes? I'll be honest, I understand this feeling. I do. More than understand. (laughs) The sentiment is a breath of fresh air coming out of what feels like a a season, maybe even some decades, whatever, past of of, of what felt like very legalistic, right? We're sick and tired of the holier-than-thou, graceless, fault-finding preachers who are quick to tell everybody what their sin is. Are we not? Like, we're over that. And so, what feels very, very comfortable and very, very natural is to say, I don't want anything to do with those religious, hypocritical, fault-finding, sin-calling-out religious folk. But I love Jesus, so my answer is, who am I to pass judgment when I've never walked in their shoes? Here's the, the, the sneaky little lie. Man, most good lies are real sneaky because they have a lot of truth in them. Okay, nobody's asking you to pass judgment. That's the lie. (laughs) Do you know that we can stand for truth without passing judgment? Here's what happens though. We gotta be careful. Christians, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, those who honor God above all, we've gotta be careful because we cannot allow our circumstances to shape our morality and this is way bigger than the abortion issue. Pick a topic. This is way bigger than the abortion issue. We know people who are X, Y, and Z. We've been through situations where this and that, and therefore, because I know this, I can empathize with them, so how can I say that what they're doing is wrong? As if your opinion is the final say on eternal morality. and we've unintentionally made ourselves God. And we're not doing it on purpose. But here's the deal, we're not trying to find or define like our uh, personal morality. How morality works is that we have to discover and understand God's morality. It's not a shifting scale. It's not, it doesn't slide and move based on the culture or the time that we live in. Morality, eternal standard of God, the standard is God's character. We learn and understand God's character. And God's morality, God's standard, God's character shapes our circumstances and our perspectives. Here's the problem. We've seen too many people stand for truth and go judgmental or be very wishy-washy and 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 too afraid to say what god feels about a hard topic but this is not just for this issue church we have to learn moving forward we are Society is so polarized. One of the things that I've learned in the last couple of years is that I need to brace myself and learn the courage to stand for truth, to act justly while simultaneously loving mercy. Or else society and culture will chew us up and spit us out. Here's the thing, we are called to act justly, but justice can only be acted upon if there is a clear standard of truth. If each one of us is left to decide truth, to decide morality, to decide what is right and wrong, then we are in a world of hurt. There will be no justice possible. Saying all that again, friends, if you have had an abortion, if you've gotten pregnant in in, in in horrible circumstances and didn't feel like you had any way out, my heart hurts for you. You know, we, we, we quickly want to go, go to like, well, what about rape? And what about incest? And what about it when it's a little kid? We want to create circumstances. First and foremost, we need to understand, abortion is wrong, and as a son and a daughter of God, it's okay to say so. Now, what about women's rights, and what about, let's let's just start here, okay? I believe, okay, I'm going to step aside, maybe this is too close to the topic, so maybe this isn't a good example, but I'm going to go there anyway, because I just, I want to help us see this i believe murder is wrong and and i'm not talking about abortion i'm talking about walking up to somebody that that cut you off in the car and shooting them and killing them dead okay that's wrong can we agree that that is wrong okay i would also agree that if you uh if like a punk kid was riding their bike and like rode it through my house and was trespassing through my front yard that shooting them dead is probably wrong right like we can we can agree with that right if, if somebody showed up with a bulldozer and leveled my front yard and cut down my tree and tore out all of my wife's flowers, guess what? <laughs> Killing them still wrong. It's still wrong. It's, it's still wrong. If they drove a car through my living room, that would be super unfortunate. I still can't kill them. if I find somebody in the middle of the night with murderous intent pursuing one of my children, new options are on the table. And I'm going to do what it takes to stop whatever's about to happen. Some would even disagree with that, though. somebody's attacking me and my life's at stake, and they're attacking me with a weapon with murderous intent, we've got a challenging philosophical discussion to have real quick. (laughs) But guess what? Murder's still wrong, right? Let me just remind us of this, and I hope this helps us frame something. Every single time you draw a moral line anywhere, there is going to be challenging discussion that probably needs to be had around that line. What we tend to do when we start to get into the challenging discussion is we want to move the line. But guess what? There's challenging discussion there too. And then we want to move the line again. And then there's challenging discussion there too and then we want to move the line again, and then there's challenging discussion there too, so we remove the line, and we shoot people in our front yard. I don't think I need to explain the metaphor a whole lot further. But for the 12 year old, the pregnant 12 year old who got pregnant because of her evil uncle, right? What's it, incest and rape, and children. Like there's something inside of me, I don't know, maybe especially having four girls that like makes me want to throw up and then go beat someone. Sorry, that's just my flesh maybe, I don't know. But there's something inside of me, like seriously, like that, there's something inside of me that doesn't sit well with that. But you know what? It wasn't that child's fault. And just like if somebody drove a car through my living room, there are other options than taking a life. We cannot derive our morality from evil circumstances because morality flows from the character and the heart of God. We have to adjust our thinking and our circumstances around what we find in God's word and God's heart. Does that make sense? I'll stop now because we could really go a long time on this. But whenever you draw a moral line, there will be challenging discussions on either side of that. And that's okay. Don't be afraid of that. That's okay. It's going to be there. But let's be careful that in the name of mercy, we don't erase God's moral standard and eliminate our ability to even act justly come back to Micah 6:8 and what does the Lord require of you to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God Justice and mercy are not mutually exclusive <clears throat> Before anybody who's pro choice gets really mad at me, I just I'm an equal opportunity sto- toe stepper on her. So I just like we're gonna just go for all sides here for a minute. <clears throat> Not me. I think God's word does. He just steps on all of us all the time. If we're gonna act justly, we are also called to love mercy. I'm gonna say it this way, show mercy. I know there's some of us who we feel this justice thing very strongly. In fact, to the point of you'd say, I have a calling to pursue justice. And can I just help fill in some of the gaps here for you? If you have a calling to pursue justice, like it or not, you also have a calling to love mercy. why do we think we can do the work of christ without the attitude or the love of christ here's just a little check because this issue has become politicized we need to constantly check our heart for the deepest level of motives around this issue so when you heard the decision was made this week If your initial gut reaction was, yay, this is a win for my political party, or if your initial gut reaction is, we're taking the country back, and it wasn't, yay, children who wouldn't have had a chance at life are gonna be born who otherwise wouldn't have, then we gotta check something, guys. As much as I think God hates abortion, my party's agenda is not my first priority. I serve at the pleasure of King Jesus. And when his agenda aligns with this party, wonderful. Some of you don't want to hear this. But when it aligns with the other party, that's great too. We got to watch out what's happening in our heart around this issue. Here's the thing. I think some of us think that we that that I am a justice champion. And if I'm going to accomplish anything in the name of justice, then some of the other softer graces God will overlook. But why do we think we get the right to do that? Because Jesus overturned the tables, right? I love that response. I hate that response, but I... Did, I, I, I. Whatever. <clears throat> It is amazing how, again, uh, uh, we can, <laughs> it is amazing to me how we can dismiss the entire life of Jesus in one action. He overturned the tables, therefore I can be a jerk to people who politically disagree with me. It's for the babies, so I can spew hate, hatred to other brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are outside of the faith. Here's another reason why I don't think the overturning the tables applies to these types of situations is because he's God. I'm not. He got frustrated. And he was assertive. And you might hear people say he wasn't kind in that moment. I'm not God. I've not been commissioned with a responsibility to judge sin. So I'm just going to step back from this one. And do what he says. Love mercy. I'm reminded of the the, the woman caught in adultery. Jesus acted justly. He looked at the woman and said, Stop sinning. And he looked at those throwing stones and said, Go away. Because I love her and she's mine. Friends, you and I are called to even, yes, even in these hard, like politically divided situations to show mercy without compromising the truth that flows from the character and the heart of God. So here's another reason why I think the whole temple thing the most assertive, direct, unkind uh, statements of Jesus were directed to the religious conservatives. I don't know how we missed that. Never to the heathens, never to the godless, never to the sinners, never to those who didn't accept God's truth and God's standard as their standard of morality. It was only to those who did that he became that harsh. To those who were outside of the faith and didn't uh, uphold the same religious, spiritual, moral standards as them, it was grace upon grace. He didn't just give mercy, he loved mercy and called us to love mercy alongside of him. You don't have to compromise the truth to do that. Number three, walk humbly. This is the key. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Honestly, I believe that the walking humbly with your God is the motivation for the first two points. This is what we want to do. We want to make justice God or we want to make mercy God. You see it happening all over the place. And we do it in the name of God. But when justice becomes our God, mercy feels like a threat or feels like a weakness. But when mercy becomes our God, justice or righteousness or moral standards feel like a threat or feel like a weakness. So friends, Whatever side of this thing that you're on right now, would you do some heart searching here for just a minute? If you're the justice side, no, we, like we got to win, we got to win this thing, we got to win this thing. You know, abortion kills children, and we're we're pro-life, and we're gonna we're gonna go. Hey, I believe abortion is wrong. And it snuffs the life out of those who've been made in God's image, uniquely woven together with purpose and destiny, and yet our decisions have have ended. I, I get how wrong that is. But if showing mercy feels like a threat or a weakness in your cause, friend, you need to check your heart because you can't do this thing God's way without mercy. And it is evidence that justice has at least to some degree started to become your god that is even bigger than the god that we know to be true and friends is as you hear this even this what we're talking about in god's word and and, and as we're talking about the just part and god's morality there's something in you that feels threatened by that and there's something in you that feels like, if I, if I adopt this perspective, then it's going to be a weakness in my argument. Then it's going to be a weakness to, 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 to those types of people that, I, that I'm with and that, that have experienced these things. Be careful that you've not... I, God is a God of mercy. We live under the covenant of grace, but be careful that mercy doesn't become your God. Because when mercy becomes your God, it is hard to stand for truth. When my acting justly is motivated by walking humbly with God, I'm able to see people so I don't have to drown them in the wake of my agenda. When showing mercy is motivated by walking humbly with God, I don't have to try to build up my own morality, but rather I can humbly seek out God's standard of truth. Friends, we need to walk humbly before God. It's not an either-or issue. Abortion is wrong. and Hey, I've I've put the line out there like it, it is like barely inside of all situations in my head. But those are, let's have some conversations. I'm just gonna say this right now. If you have a differing opinion than me, I would love personally this isn't a generic, I'm telling you right now, if you have differing opinions of me, I would love to sit down and dialogue around this. Like really, I'm not. this is not just like me softening the blow. Like I would love to have some dialogue around this. Because this is a safe place. And I trust that all of us in here have the same general, basic, foundational root Intent. We want God's kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we got to walk humbly. This is just, this is in my notes, but just as a side note, clarification on that last statement about let's talk about this. Like, I've just set up a pro, a very, very pro-life perspective. Hey, pro-life friends, listen to people who are not excited about this. It doesn't threaten God's moral standard to listen to people. That's all for now. Now, here's something else for my pro life pro choice doesn't matter this is something for the, the church particularly pro life maybe here inevitably we will be called upon to vote on something in nebraska right inevitably at some point and there's going to be a big cry for show up for the unborn show up to vote <laughs> y'all think i you know what gonna, i'm going to say next and i'm not going to i'm not going to say what you think i'm going to say next Oh, maybe a little bit. Yeah, you should vote. But if you think showing up for the unborn is done at the polls, let's think logically. Let's think community now, okay? If abortion in Nebraska becomes illegal, we have a new problem. Right? Let's think this through. If abortion in Nebraska becomes illegal, we have a new problem. And you might say, I showed up for the unborn, but it will be time to show up for the born and unwanted. Yeah. Again, this is not generic, but I'm calling every husband and wife Regardless, this is scary. I have four children, and I, I hear myself. Regardless of where you are in your life, if you're going to champion the cause of the unborn, you have to have a real conversation about adoption and or foster care. To, do, to not do so is hypocritical spiritually self-righteous. I'm not saying if you don't adopt or you don't do foster care, then you're not saved. Okay, don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is the job is not done out of vote. God has not called us. Read James 2. Oh man, now I'm ad-libbing. This is what happens when you write a sermon in 24 hours. Jesus said, when you see need, don't say, uh, hey, I, let me pray for you. I wish you well. Good luck says religion guys religion that is true that is authentic is to look after the widow and the orphan in distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world we love the the second part let me just not be a sinner but he said you've got to show up that's right (laughs) guys can i now i'm gonna be real here okay that was pastor sean let me tell you just Sean, member of the church. That stinking terrifies me. But I have to be true to the word. We can't go halfway on this topic. Act justly. Love. Mercy. Friends, we're going to walk humbly with our God. Father, God of mercy and righteous justice. We humbly come to you today. God, forgive us for our self-righteous agenda pushing. And God, teach us what it means to act justly while showing mercy and not just showing it, loving it. God, keep us underneath your will, humbly walking with you. God, my party is not my God. My agenda is not my God. God, justice is not my God. Mercy is not my God. You are my God. Teach us to walk humbly with you. God, help us to align our thinking with your principles, with your word. Give us the awareness to see when we're not because we're so blind to it. God, it's everywhere. God, it's overwhelming. Give us the grace to see our own error in our thinking, our own selfish perspective behind our agendas. Help us to love like you loved, to show up with injustice like you showed up to lead with mercy like you led. God, we're so dependent on you in this topic and in every. God, we love you. Teach us to make room like we just sang. To make room for you, for your truth, for your justice. God, some of us need to make room for your justice today, because that's a hard one to figure out. God, some of us need to learn to make room for your mercy today. Lord, we're yours. Help us, because it's hard. We've not done it perfectly, any of us, not me. God, we need your help because it's hard. Lord, I just pray for all of those who are still carrying hurts and wounds and deep emotional pain because of this very topic. Father, I pray that even in this moment, grace and healing and love would pour over your children right now who need it most. For those of this week has been a heartache because of all that has gone on, not in society, but they're in their own lives. God, would you show grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy. May they hear your voice whispering in their ear, you're mine and I love you. God, lead us, guide us. Truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.